one time before we go any further, I want us to just a second clap our hands like we are giving him applause for saving our soul. Can you do that right now? Some of you are closer to God than you've been for a while, aren't you? The devil doesn't like that. Amen. We're going to praise him anyhow. Praise the Lord. Brother Franco, we're so glad to have Brother Frank, Franco Platanillo with us. Is it A uh, or O? Oh, Platania. Platania. And uh, this is a, a brother who he went to Bible His wife and I went to Bible school together. And I had the privilege to meet him some time ago. And uh, he has preached revivals for some of my friends, and they have said, you are absolutely, absolutely in for a treat if Brother Franco comes to minister to your church. And then I saw him recently, and I knew that God spoke to me to have this brother to come minister to us the word of the Lord. So I'm excited to hear what God has to say today. Anybody ready to hear the word of the Lord today? Brother Franco, God bless you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Pastor. Oh, glory. Praise the Lord, everybody. Thank you, Pastor Brown. I am excited about being here my first time. What a great house. You know, I've uh, been on the field now about eight years. Uh, Pastor two churches, actually three churches, two of which we started. Then the Lord delivered me from pastoring and put me on the field. And by now, I, I, I know... When I walk into a church, if I have to first resurrect the dead so I can preach to them, or walk into a church where, where it's already happening. And I think it's already happening around here. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord, thank you, Jesus. And I appreciate Brother and Sister Brown and, and uh, uh, met Brother Brown several occasions and always come across such a gentle character and sweet people and doing a great work for God. And uh, I, uh, I appreciate this man and what he's doing. You know, anybody who can pastor for a long time in the days we're living in has got my respect. And, you know, I was growing old and turned my hair were turning. No, they don't want to turn. I was losing them. And uh, now I'm back on the field. Man, I feel like I'm 18. I'm ready to go. And I preach for all this tired, wore out, depressed pastor. that to put up all this stuff. And praise God. I'm just playing. But what a great, what a great church. What a great pastor. You're blessed to have a good leadership. Listen, today to find a good man, it's, it's becoming a rare thing. If you find a good man, hold on to him. Pray for your pastor. Love him. And I'm excited about being here. Now, uh, I have much to say, but I want to say this. I just left uh, a church to come here and preach, and I'm not tired. 
uh, and I preached again tonight. In fact, I do better when I'm under pressure. You want to get the best out of me, just put some pressure on me. I'll give it to you. You know, some people are multi, I'm multitasker, so I, I, can, I can handle this. I'm, I'm not tired. I'll make you tired, but I won't be tired. By the time I'm through, you will be tired, but I won't be tired. Praise God. So I'm excited about being here. And I, I came not to impress you with words or uh, not that I can, but I, I just want to wanna give you my heart and the mind of God. And uh, for the moment you're living in, you know, they ask me, Brother Brown, sometimes, are you intimidated? One day here, I, sometimes I preach in this large church, it's over 2,000, 3,000. They say, man, do you, are you intimidated preaching to large crowds? I said, I'm not. I'm, I'm quite confident. I know who I am. I know who he is. <laughs> so I'm not worried about it. I, tell what, I said, what scares me the most is to preach a good sermon at the wrong time. That's what really scares me. So I've got to make sure that this is what you need today. And I feel I am. In fact, I wanted to really take you on a, on a journey with me, starting from Genesis. And that's my, my personal masterpiece. I love to, to take you with me. But, but I, uh, I had a, a change of mind on my way here. And I think I'm going to be right on target. Uh, let's go to Luke chapter 1. Thank you, Brother Brown, for having me. And uh, appreciate the kind of words. What a great, great pastor, great man. I, I tell you, it's uh, such a pleasure to be here. And I mean it. You know, people say a lot of things that I really don't mean. And if you say things you don't mean, you, you can, you know, you're lying, you know, kind of. <laughs> I had a hard time when I came from Italy and I moved here. And... Um, you know, I was just an Italian, so I'm still am in some measure. But, but uh, my wife tried to help me in that area. But you know, sometimes we'll go somewhere and and they will offer us something to eat, and it was terrible. Sometimes they will put too much salt in it, you know, and it was like, and, and they would say, "How did you like it?" And I said, "This thing is terrible." And uh, and my wife said, "Oh no, yes, say it's good. No, if I was telling me it's good, they're gonna give me some more." So if you don't mean it, don't say it. And uh, so I, uh, I appreciate you all and appreciate Brother Brown very, very. I heard nothing but good things about this man. I really have. And, and the people that I've talked to, they talk highly about him. And um, you ought to be proud of that. Be proud of that. Be proud. Let me say this while I'm here. I don't have the time for one survey. You can stand. It's okay. You're going to be sitting in a moment. Uh, you know, there are a lot of good preachers and lots of good preachers with faulty characters. I just, there's a good sermon all by itself. I can just go home right now. I'm done. There are a lot of good preachers, good auditors. They're good preachers, but they have a faulty character. And uh, thank God for the good man who loved the Lord, who is faithful, who loved the people. I just... I wish I had come 10 minutes later. I, you know, I just heard pastor taking care of business. I used to take care of business like that too. And it's not because he, he doesn't love you. It's because he cares. If he wouldn't care for you, he wouldn't tell you. But he loves you and cares for you. And I appreciate that shepherd heart. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. All right. Um, let's read verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. Praise God. And... Uh, 
verse 26. First chapter of the book of Luke, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled in his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth the son, and shall call his name Jesus. It shall be great, it shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, the cousin Elizabeth, she, has, uh, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Thank you, Jesus, for the word. Bless the sweet people have come to hear you. And let me be transparent and blessing to these people today. In Jesus' name I pray. God bless you. you may be seated. Praise God. I heard, uh, oh, I read a story not long ago. At first I thought the story was just a good story to illustrate and make a point. But later I find out that the story actually is a true story. It did happen back in the 60s. And it's the story of a, of a father and a son. Now, the father, uh, I'm told, was a wealthy man who enjoyed to collect rare works of art. It is said that he was uh, passionate about him collecting uh, works of arts of all nature, especially paint, uh, uh, portraits of great uh, painters such as Picasso and, and, and such. Well, the Vietnam War broke out back in the 60s. The boy was drafted, called into duty, and he was a brave American soldier, and fought very, very, very bravely for his country. And it is said that during a rescue uh, mission, the boy, who was trying to save other guys from trouble, got himself uh, killed, and he died in the battlefield. Well, the father was notified a few weeks later, and needless to say, like a good father would, his, his entire world was crushed and uh, began to cry. And spent many, many, many hours, if not days, I'm told, in isolation, just him and his pain. Well, December came around, Christmas time, and here comes a boy at the door, knocking at the door of this great man. And, and it's, a, it's a young man that he does not know, and he introduces himself, says, Sir, uh, I know you don't know me, but I am one of those guys for whom your boy died. And uh, I want to I wanna bring you something, he said to him, that I hope you would, would accept. And he had a large package. The, the father wa welcomed him in the house, asked him to come in the kitchen area, and they opened up the package. And it was a portrait, portrait of his boy. He said, I'm not, the young man said, I'm not a great painter, but I, I enjoyed doing this. And this was done a few hours just before we went into the battlefield. And I captured the expression of your joyous son. 
And the father began to cry again and then asked the man, ask me whatever you want and I'll pay you if you let me have this portrait. And the young man said, sir, I didn't come to get your money. He said, I just want to give this to you as a gift. He said, your son died to save me. And if it had not been for him, I would be the one dead. And uh, so the father took the uh, portrait. He said that he used to put the portrait in his, um, along next to the great master, you know, that he had collected throughout the years. And, uh, and he said, they just said that when people would come to, uh, to, 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 to see those great, the great collection, he would always stop at the picture where the sun, uh, uh, the wall where the picture of the sun was, and he would spend a few moments to comment about how great the boy was. And then he would escort him into the secret chamber where he kept all these priceless works of art. Well, the father died, and there was going to be an auction, and the auction was given. And uh, people were called from all over the world to come, and uh, they flew and drove, and the whole, the, the chamber was filled with all kind of personalities. And, and uh, finally, the auctioneer stood behind the desk and said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming. We're going to now start, we're now going to start the auction, and first we're going to auction off this portrait of the sun. And I wonder if there's anybody in the crowd that will uh, give $20 or maybe 30 for this portrait. And needless to say, it was, everybody was quiet, nobody was interested. And uh, so the auctioneer insisted and asked again, sirs and uh, ma'ams, if anybody would give $20 for this. And, uh, but nobody was interested. He was quiet, just like it's quiet right now. I mean, quiet. And, uh, and, uh, and so finally an old man stood in the very back. It was an old man. He was the gardener, gardener of the father. And he said, I don't have much money, but I hope I, uh, I'll, I'll give $20 if you let me have it. And the auctioneer asked if anybody else would bid. Nobody did. He pounded his gavel, going once, going twice, sold for $20. This is a true story. And so now everybody's getting excited, but then something quite strange took place. The auctioneer took his books, closed the books, and said, ladies and gentlemen, the auction is now over. Well, somebody stood and said, sir, uh, I'm really confused. We haven't even started, and you already want to leave. And what's going on? Please give us an explanation. And the auctioneer pulled a paper, a contract, a will of the father. said, I was not allowed to share this with you up to this moment. And this is the will of the father, he said. He said uh, that uh, whoever got the son gets everything. Gets everything. Gets everything. Gets everything. Gets everything. And I want to talk to you for just a little while today, if you allow me, that whosoever gets Jesus gets everything. That whosoever takes him gets everything. When I read this story, the very first verse that came to my mind was the one that Jesus spoke to the people that he was surrounded by. And this is what he said, if you seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, everything else shall be added unto you. I wonder if the Lord has sent me to speak to somebody today to give you a word that it doesn't matter what kind of dreams we are pursuing. It, it really doesn't matter what kind of rays we are running. And I don't know what you, what you are occupied with, but could it be possible that God wants to 
give you everything you've been praying about, everything you've been asking about. You just need to put him on the top of your list and get him first and then just wait on him to add everything unto you. I do believe I've came with a word for somebody in this house that you've got to make up your mind to live for God, that you're going to have to make up your mind to put him first. Not your career, not your fame, not your money, not your procession, not your affairs. Just get Jesus and then watch him bless your life. Would you give the Lord a good hand cup of praise right now as I feel him strong in this house? Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory. I want to get Jesus. I need Jesus. I don't want your money. I don't want your fame. I'm not interested in a career. Everything is going to end. But if I get Jesus back in my home, if I get Jesus back in our churches, if I get Jesus back in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, everything else shall be added unto me. Oh, I feel you, Jesus. I feel you in this house. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, I knew I was right when I walked into this place, and I knew that the word of the Lord was spoken unto me. I, I didn't come to sermonize to you today. I want you to understand that until you make up your mind to serve Him with all your heart, with all your soul, oh, shakalabo, everything else you try to do will fall apart. But if you get back in business and ask the Lord to move back into your life, move back into your prayer time, move back into your soul, Oh, sit down. You, you know, oh, glory to God. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with us, but sometimes, sometimes we are so, uh, so influenced by so many voices that have a way to disturb our, our walk with God. You know, everybody trying to tell us what to do, everybody telling us what's right, what's wrong. You know, can I say this to you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn loose in a moment. But let me just say this to you. You need to quit letting everybody else run your life. You need to quit listening to the many voices that try to tell you what it's best for you while their lives is falling apart. You know, it, it, we're living in a strange world. I mean, we got, and please understand me, I'm, I'm not trying to hurt you when I say, when I talk about issues such as divorce or, or, or other issues, they are very delicate issues. I, I don't, you know, some people think I'm, I'm ugly when I talk about divorce. I'm not trying, see, I'm not trying to spare you from feeling sorry about what you had to go through. I'm trying to save your daughter who is sitting next to you. Because sometimes we are so delicate with ourselves that we forget that we have a future that we have to protect. So just because you went through hell and hot water through divorce, I feel for you. And I'm not saying, and here we are not trying to pull people, uh, you know, trying to judge people, put them on the cross. But I have to preach that what's right because you got a boy, you got a girl that is living in your house that doesn't have to go through the same mess you had to go through. Oh, God. You, you, you see... You see, we, we, I don't know what's wrong with us, but we, we let too many people govern our life. And, and we, we, we are more, more reliant on what everybody else says about us than what the Word has to say about us. I, 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 you know, I, went, I was in San Jose, I think a year and a half ago, I was with the uh, shoemakers there. And, and I went to see this house. Have you ever seen the Winchester's house? 
That's quite a deal. A Winchester, as you will know, was built upon, uh, truly upon the words of a woman who probably had you know, psychological problems. But anyway, she spoke these words into the life of, of, of this uh, Winchester's widow and, and told her, now that your husband is dead, you're going to have to build and keep on building on the house forever until you die. Because if you don't keep adding to that house, the spirits uh, uh, that that the spirits that, of the people that were killed through uh, the Winchester's rifle, uh, they, will, they will seek revenge and they will, they will torment you. And so the Winchester's, uh, the widow, I don't know how, but she ended up believing this big lie. And for the next 20 years, she spent over $5 million back in the 1800s. No, don't talk about $5 million today, which is a lot of money already. But, and, and, and she never, the sound of hammers, it is said, as I read, the sum of hammers and a carpenter and work never stopped, was continuous 24 hours. Say, they imagine this for 20 years in a row. Imagine, you walk into rooms that lead to nowhere. You open doors that got walls behind it. You open windows that lead to nowhere. You go downstairs and all of a sudden you have to go back. There's nothing but a wall. A sinister house. I mean, you don't want to go there at night. You don't want to go there by yourself. It's kind of scary, spooky stuff. But anyway, but it was, it was worth going because this thing I learned, I got to be careful. Oh, my God, I feel in the Holy Ghost. I got to be careful who I let people speak into my life because you can mess me up. You can give me a word that is not right. You can really cause me to, to be discouraged. I gotta make sure. Listen to me. With except truly, with the exception of a few people in your life, most people really don't care about your success. Well, I'm gonna break it down for you. If you've lived long enough and you've been around long enough, you know. In fact, when you tell somebody, see, I, I, I learned it. I can do this. But the Brown can tell me, I just, I just, you know, an old relative died, gave me five million dollars, and I, I, I can rejoice with him and never feel a hint. I mean, a, a an ounce of 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 jealousy. I've learned to master my feelings. Because I've learned that if I rejoice with those who rejoice, something is gonna splash over me. See, the big, when I was young and I didn't know, I, always, I was always jealous and I was intimidated by people that were better than I. And so instead of recognizing their ability and talent, I would try to bring them down. Yeah. Now, you haven't done that because you're all spiritual. <laughs> I would like to watch you at, at work while you see your buddy, your friend, you know, getting a promotion that you knew you deserved but you didn't get. And you go, oh, I'm so happy for you. You're right. You go out and you slash his tie and put a bump dynamite underneath the hood. And like, uh, you don't have to raise your hands. You're saved now. You can do this. But you see what I'm saying? And, and, and then after a while you realize that you cannot really bring down a man whose favor has been given by God. There's no, it's like somebody who knows the president. You just can mess with them. In fact, if you get smart, you hang around them. You, I like to hang around with people who are successful. I like to hang around people who are positive. I like to hang around people who are in revive. Don't give me no depressed preacher. I don't want to talk about Now, I don't want to be around depressed Christians either. If you've got problems, you know, oh, I don't have the time to mess with you today. But I would, I, I don't have, the, I've got to be with somebody who's got a future. I've got to talk to somebody who's got a vision. I've got to be with somebody that will take me on a journey of a lifetime. I don't want to get stuck in Egypt. Oh. You see, let me break it down somewhat because I feel I'm touching something. You see, with the, with the exception of a handful of people, truly most people don't enjoy your success. Let me tell you why. 
Because your success oftentimes defines their failure. Because when you go back to Lucille and Bill and, and, and you say, man, I went to church. I'm living for God. I got my life back together. And, man, I'm no smoking. I'm no doing drugs. And my family is great. Man, I got a job. I got a home. And I got a life. Man, I got God. Now, Bill and Lucille, who used to do things with you in the old days, instead of elevating themselves to your level to get better, they want to bring you down back to their level so their conscience can be soothed. Because you bring a spirit of condemnation because the Bible says you cast light over darkness and darkness don't like it. Amen. See, instead of trying, that's what I'm saying. You have to, in fact, if you really want to test the, the level and the passion of your friendship with somebody, tell me you're really blessed and then watch the countenance. Because sometimes when you say, I get a promotion, and here comes your friend. I made the mistake, Brother Brown, to share my dreams when I was pastoring, okay? And I was talking about ministry in general that came to pass later to a man who was no ready for me. Because he was a man who missed his train. And you don't want to talk to anybody who missed his train because they're bitter. Oh, I don't have the time to work on that. But I, I, that's why I like to hang around Brother Brown. He's got a vision. He's know where he's going. I like to get on board. Let's go, baby. Let's do it. Come on. I want to be part of what's happening here because so I can look back and say, I was there when that happened. I used to preach in the little bitty church, but now they're running a thousand. I used to preach revival for them. <laughs> Woo, God. You know, well, well I've I, I, I got to stay within my message. But let me, let me say this. The, the, most, the, the, the gravest tragedy in the world is a fatherless child. The gravest tragedy in the church is a fatherless Christian. It, because I've learned this, because I was a victim of that, of that, of that, those circumstances. But you can look back and never find a man that really steadily was in your life. You need to stick with a pet. Make up your mind. This is my church. This is my pastor. And make sure your children know. So when they grow up, they can look back and say, that's my shepherd. That's my man. That's the man we went through all kinds of stuff. This is the man we worked together with. You have to make sure you got a figure. You don't want to look back and say, who is your pastor? Uh, let's see. Okay. None. Because none will be faithful to you if you're not faithful to them. I don't have the time. You understand what I'm saying? And you can look back and, and truly witness a tragedy in your life to where you can really counsel, can really trust anybody because you moved and jumped so many times that now all of a sudden you find yourself fatherless. And any fatherless child is dysfunctional. Unless God intervenes, they've got problems, they've got issues of identity, and on and on and on. It's recoverable, thank God, it's recoverable. But I, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? And so, with exception, if you, nobody really enjoys your success, and I want you to understand that, that you, have to, you have to fight for what's good. You have to fight for what's right. Can, can, I, can, I, go, can I just preach the way I like? I'm going to take my coat off. Because I bought this down in Los Angeles at the disc, garment disc for $100. I like it. I want it to last another five years. Especially when he evangelized. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Brown. You've been on the field. Praise God. It is easier nowadays to be delivered from sin than to stay saved. Let, let me break it down. You see, it was easy for Israel to come out of Egypt. Because to begin with, 
Israel didn't want to stay in Egypt. Because down deep our hearts, we all wanted to get out of our sinful lifestyle. We didn't admit it, but we didn't like it. We didn't like the burden of sinful lifestyle. We wanted to get, and so it was easy when Moses walked in, he said, uh, are you the man? If you're not the man, we appoint you to be the man. Get us out of here. And it was easy to move out of Egypt and be delivered from a sinful life. And God gave them the promise and hid the process. Because if God would tell us what we have to go through to get to the promised land, you say, I don't think I want to live for God now. Because if we would disclose throughout all the hell and the wilderness and the fight that we have to go through, we would say, oh, I'm not sure if this is for me. So God said, come on into the promised land. It's going to be, oh, man, it's going to fall. We just didn't know that we had to fight devils and mamas and daddies and brothers and friends, co-workers, boss, and on and on. We just didn't know that when we took Jesus' name on us, all I mean, we were doing fine before Jesus' time, you know. We were doing fine before, you know, we accepted the Lord. Man, now we have to fight for the. In fact, it's so true that when Israel got to Canaan, the promised land. They had to fight 31 kings to possess it. You have to fight for what's good. If you ever wonder why you're going through hell right now, I mean, you're fighting everything. I tell you what, because you've got something that everybody wants. Um, if you didn't have anything worth killing you for, people will leave you alone and the devil will leave you alone. But Israel had to fight for the milk and had to fight for the honey because they had something that every kingdom wanted. I want that land. I want that territory. I want the joy. I want that peace. I want everything you got. I want your blessing. I'm telling you, you're going to have to fight for what's worth dying for. You're going to have to fight for what the Lord has given to you. It was easy to be delivered. It was easy to get out of Egypt. But now you've got to fight to stay in the church. Uh, so, so, so sit down for just a moment. In fact, listen. In fact, listen. There comes a time. I call this. I call this spiritual formation. It is so. Oh boy, I'm so right on today. So right on. Now listen. It is so true that that when Israel, Brother Brown, had to cross the Red Sea. There was a forced crossing because they had the enemy behind it. So now you say, oh, Israel, they just may love to go to the promise. No, they did. They just didn't want to die. <laughs> it is, isn't it true? That's why throughout the wilderness, all they're thinking about is this fish and a few little uh, cornbread that they were eating in Egypt. Oh, I wish I could go back to Egypt. They just didn't want to die. So the truth is that the, the crossing was kind of a setup, and it was forced. And sometimes that's, and, and, and the meaning of the, of the text, when, when we read it, the text about you were chosen, and I mean, I chose you, you didn't choose me, that really takes a new level, and I don't have the time to, to work on that one. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it, we were forced to kind of be delivered. <laughs> and and uh, I, I don't have the time. But I, 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 can, I, can take, I can take the word chosen and take it to a new level. I really can. And you will be surprised how much you did not do to get saved. 
And I deflate some of you and say, man, I got in this all by myself. No, you didn't get here by here. You didn't want to get be here. You were set up to be here. Oh, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. Because, see, all your circumstances and all the things that you had to face were driven for a divine orchestration. What you thought was a coincidence was divine appointment. What do you thought? Well, I don't know how God, I That's why God crushed your world. That's why God pushed you here. It's not that you, didn't, you wanted to come here. I mean, he shut down your job. He, he, you went bankrupt. Your house foreclosed. Your mama slapped you. Your daddy kicked you out of the house. And you found your way back to the house of God. And you said, I don't know how I got here. I'll tell you how you got here. God set you up. your world. He rocked your world so you can rock your world. Sit down. Let me finish. See, and then, and so you see Israel being pushed and forced to make the decision. It's not that they had a mind of their own. But watch this. Now, they've been in church a while. They've been with God a little while. They've been with, with, with Jesus a little while. And they come to another defining moment. They come to the Jordan. No enemies chasing them. Nobody's pushing them. In fact, Joshua had to stand and say, listen, guys, I don't know what you want to do. You seem double-minded. But as far as I'm concerned, my babies, my family, we're moving over. Because there comes a time when pastor cannot always call you on, on Saturday to remind you you get service on Sunday. Always checking on you. Where were you the last two weeks? You know, over and over again. You see what I'm saying? There comes a time when you have to make up your mind. I'm crossing over. I got nobody forcing me. Nobody pushing me. Nobody telling me what to do. I got my mind made up. I'm moving over. I'm going. I'm crossing. I'm going to build this church. I'm going to have revival. I'm with my pack. I'm with my little. We're going to go over. And if we die, we're so big. Let's die. Now sit down. Sit down. I got to hurry. I gotta hurt. I, I, I haven't even started yet. Uh, I, listen, this, this is the problem, Brother Brown. I'm telling you, I, 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 I really want to mess with you, but I got the approval. Got the approval now, okay? If you get mad at me, just sit back. But there, there is this, I'm telling you, this church is wired for revival. I mean, you're wired. With an atmosphere like this, the way you love the word, I'm telling you. That this, 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 listen, I've been in many, many churches, many churches, and, and there are some identifiable traits, you know, that you can go. You know, every church works different on a different level. They understand, but there are some fundamentals, some basics that are true to every church. And a church like this feels just like the one that can have big revivals. And I mean it. I mean it. I'm not trying to win friends and influence people, vice versa, whatever. I, I'm telling you the truth. Telling the truth. Oh, my God. We need a, a, a good apostolic mega church in Los Angeles. It is here. It is here. It is here. My, my, my. It is here. Oh, God, I feel it. Uh, I really do. I really do. Now, listen. Uh, what we, we don't do justice to the, to the story of the prodigal son because sometimes we quote, oh, Describe the prodigal son as a boy left. Okay, we know that. The problem with that is we forget to link that story with the two preceding stories where the coin is lost and you watch there is a woman sweeping the house trying to find 
Sounds like my wife. She loses a dollar. She's looked, she turned the trail upside down. Where's my dollar? You know, she, we live on justice. You know, she appreciates money. And so she... <laughs> We're we're some of those guys, you know, when we see a penny on the ground, we just look around. You put your foot on it, like, it's mine. Don't fight me over this penny right here. See, people don't do that anymore. You got too much money in the bank, but I need some money, man. I need anything helps, you know. And the and the preceding stories tell us tell us that, that the woman went after. Sought after the lost coin. And then you see the shepherd who lost the sheep, and the sheep is gone. And, and the lamb, and he goes after the lamb. He said, don't expect me. Don't cook for me tonight. Don't expect me to come back because I'm coming back. The Bible says, until I find it. Oh, that's good. You think you can backslide on your own? You think you can backslide on your own terms? You think that God will not drive you crazy? You know, when I get to church two years later, I, 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 I just left for about nine months. I should never have done it. They were the most miserable nine months of my life. Because what Jesus meant, he, he, he said, he really meant, he said, don't, I, I don't come back until I find it. You know what it means? It means he'll come after you. He'll, he'll sit on your driver's seat and drive you nuts while you're going down the road on a party. He'll sit with you on the bar stool and say, huh, how you like that drink? And, and he puts so much conviction on you that afterwards, okay, Jay, listen, you're, you're just driving me crazy. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Just leave me alone. I'm coming home. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm going to preach two moments. Listen, listen. You are deceiving yourself that after you have known the Lord, you, you think you can go back to the world and fit right back in. Oh, I'm coming. You'll go back with your, you know, in your little friendship circle, you know, and say, hey, John, I'm back. And you hang around them a day or two. They look at you. You just don't fit in here. You see, we think that oh, I'm going back. Where I, no, you don't, you've been damaged. That was, that was the faulty thinking of Peter who said, well, I'm going back fishing. Watch him. He caught nothing. An expert fisherman couldn't get back to what he had done for a lifetime. Because once God calls you out of darkness, you know too much to be just like everybody else. And if you do... You fake it. Because you cannot walk into a red zone, a red area, and just feel comfortable yourself. Because you know there is sin. You know this is not the way Jesus was. You cannot have anybody talk to you about Trinity or four gods and four thrones and everything. Oh, it's okay. No, it's, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait, I know. Let me tell you. There's only one God. <laughs> have you ever seen backsliders with a, with a pipe in their mouth trying to witness to people? I've, I've watched backsliders. I mean, callous backsliders. Well, I mean, given revi- 10 revivals, Bible study, with their smoke in their mouth, with the whiskey on them. I've watched them because they cannot escape from what God has revealed to them. Oh, glory. But you see, with a prodigal son, we don't see that. The father never leaves the house. The woman swept, the shepherd sought after. The father waits. Because he understands this is the time that I have to let my son go. And he, and he alone, has to come to a place of spiritual formation where he understands, i got to make up my mind. I'm going to have to serve the Lord. 
Nobody's calling, nobody's seeking, nobody's coming after me, nobody, nobody's trying to... No, no, no. I, I, I understand. This is it. This is my last move. This is my last act of foolishness. I'm coming home, Daddy. And if you take me back in, you'll never have to worry about me again. Oh, God. You see, the famine was not really sent to kill the boy. He was to pull him back home. That's why God can break your world apart. He'll crush your 401k. You know what? I am thankful that we had this economic crisis. You don't like it. I'm, I'm in danger now. But I like it for two reasons. Number one, I got nothing to lose. My 401k didn't crash. My house didn't foreclose. I never had one. I didn't have to worry about the part. But I like it because this is in time. See, if you watch the word, the word says in time of famine, the people of God was always fed. Because God is trying to make a point. I don't need the world to be good. For me to take care of you. Because they take some pressure away from us who always rely on savings and friends and whatever. And God said, you, you need to quit thinking that I can only bless you when everything is going well around you. I can take everything. In fact, that's why he crushed Egypt, the mightiest kingdom, to bring up Joseph and show the whole world I can take care of my babies. And Egypt doesn't have to do well. Oh, I wish I could teach for a little while there. Because <laughs> we are so reliant on what we possess, that what gratifies us, that what identifies us. We feel very secure in God. So I'm going to say, this is the way God works with us. Oh, I wish I had the time. I got to hurry. I, I, I haven't even talked about my sermon. You, you do this to me. I like when the church pulls stuff out. Don't you like that, Brother Brown, when people pull the stuff out of you? You see... You see, that, that is so true. And, and it's, it, when, when he said, that, uh, I've chosen you, you didn't choose me. I mean, he meant it. That's why the, 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 the kingdom of Egypt was crushed, was, was just little obliterated. And, 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 and now he is showing off his people, Joseph, coming into the land and providing. And they all worship God because God at the end gets the glory out of this. It's only God who gets the glory out of this only God. That's why I like because crisis really always reveal Christ. They're not there to hurt you. It's to for God to show up and, and, and show off. And, and that's what, what, what you did. He, he, he pushed, he compelled his disciples who were expert fishermen to take a journey in the lake, on the river, whatever you want to call it. And, and, and well, knowing that a storm was approaching and they knew it was a coming. And Jesus said, no, go. I forced you. Those are forced routes. And pushed them there. And then after a while, here come the boys screaming, ah, we're done. Here comes Jesus. Watch him. In the crisis, you always have a new cry. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. <laughs> and the problem was the disciples didn't know recognize him because we are so monumental. You know, we apostolic people, we turn moments into monuments. That means, this is so funny because I travel it. Now, you know, last Sunday we had a, a breakthrough because the choir sang. So the pastor of the leadership thing, let's have the choir singing more songs. Thinking that the moment can be turned into a monument. And they keep singing and singing and singing and nothing happens because God was in the song last Sunday. But he might be in the pew this Sunday. Or he might be, he might be in, in a testimony. It can be anywhere because he's a, he's a God who changes. He's a God who transforms himself. 
And, and so, and so if, you turn, if you turn God into a monument, then you miss his best because that's what, exactly what happened to Elijah who stood at the brook. Watch this. After it was dried up for a year, waiting for God to do it again. And God, hey, from the mount, calls the mount. What are you doing down there? <laughs> oh, I'm waiting for some water. He said, that was last year, stupid. See, people are, are afraid of movement, and they're pr- afraid of change. Ooh, I wish I could mess with you a little bit. <sighs> I got to get to my sermon. What time you go? You usually go home, 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon? Mm, okay, let me get to my sermon. I, I, I have more stuff I like to share because I feel I'm touching. Is this helping you? Good. Because I, I didn't come to impress you. I just want to talk to you. I just want to make things clear and real. Now, I want to talk to you about marriage. Just very quick. I won't take, you, I won't take long. That's, that's what I usually say. <laughs> to make you feel better. <laughs> Have you ever seen those pastors or preachers who take their watches off? Okay, I'm putting my watch. They never, they never look at it. <laughs> anyway. But I shouldn't feel sorry for you because if you were like me, on Sunday 2 o'clock, you wouldn't be sleeping. You would be partying like an animal. I got on now. Oh, no, no, you're not, you're not talking to me. I, I said if, if we were in a party or if we were doing some worldly affair, you wouldn't be pressed by time. And then I hate people when I, when I dismiss them and I'm hurting through everything. And then this, the after it's dismissed, watch this. People still hang around the church another hour. Talking and gossiping and hey. so I I thought man you know maybe they want to hear me about it. no just kidding. just kidding okay here come this is what I want to talk to you about I really came for is the Mary was was the the the, the safe deposit of a great blessing coming now if you read the scripture when the angel spoke to her. He, he, there, that's a quite a, a challenging sentence to understand because he said that thou art, you know, present tense, thou art favored, favored. As if there is present and past within the same statement that is in conflict with each other. And if you think about this, God had Mary on his mind a long time before the angel spoke to her. Can I say this to some of you who have prayed prayers and dreamed dreams that have not yet come to fruition? Can I say this? That God has you on his mind. And that when he will speak to you, that will be the fulfillment of what he had already intentionally premeditated to do for you. So don't despair. He knows where you are. He knows what's going on. He's looking at you. He just, he just want to make sure that you can handle his blessing. Because not everybody can handle a blessing. Oh, that's another sermon. And, 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 and we're going to stick with ours. And, and, and Mary said, the angel spoke to us, you're highly favored. Oh, I like the word. You know, I, the truth is, Brother Brown, there are some people who are blessed, and there are some people who are favored. See, if you're blessed, I, let, me, let, me, let me help you with this. If you're blessed, you can come to my house. And uh, under my uh, 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 invitation, and, and uh, you can come to my house and eat what I cook, and, and you can come to my house uh, when I invite you, and you have a, a measure of freedom. That's being blessed. Now, you don't want to come to my trailer. But favored people have the keys of my house. You come whenever you can, take the room over, 
Open the refrigerator, there'll be some rotten food left over there. And you see what? See the difference? People don't understand that. And, say, and so when they see favor people, they, they get intimidated. I don't get intimidated. I, I think it's great. I just, you just have to hang around them. <laughs> hang around the blessed people. They, and, and if she was favored, God said, I'm going to put something in you that will change you and will change the world around you. And, and she said, well, that's interesting. That's very good. And she said, uh, how is this going to happen? Now, I like that how. How is this going to happen? She didn't say, why? I lost you on the... Are you getting hungry? I mean, okay, that's what it is. I figure. Never stand between hungry people and, and, you know, and their meal because you might be in danger. And so, but she said, she said, uh, how? I like that. She didn't say why because this is what happens to her. We said, Lord, use me. Oh, Lord, I want you to change my life. Oh, Lord, help me to be a better person. And then the Lord started working on us. You know, start sculptures. You know, it's, it's turning a, 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 a rough rock into a masterpiece. And, 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 and it hurts when God's trying to change us because we just pray, Lord, whatever it takes. Whatever. And then by the time he started working on us, we're like, why did you do this, God? Why did you take this away from me? What did you, what did you take from me? Oh, God. You know, let me tell you what God takes stuff away from you. Are you ready for this? You're not ready for this. You know, you're not ready. Are you? Okay, let me. You see, when God, see, God likes to flirt with us. When he first, that's why he says, I've chosen you. I've chosen you. It means, it's like when you saw your, your wife the first time. Ooh, babe. I was preaching a revival. And in Cliburn, Texas, Brother Brown, and she walked in. I was going to, I was going to, and so the Lord, you know, said, you do this and do that. And she walked in. And the Lord! Oh, the Lord! Well, I got some passion back in my life. And when I saw her, I was, oh, she's mine. I mean, the Lord is mine. That's what I mean. Now, you see, she didn't choose me. I chose her. Okay, I, uh, you boys, take notes. So now you say, how did you make her fall in love with you? Well, I started doing things out of the ordinary, you know, sending her flowers when it wasn't her birthday and write letters. Remember the days when we used to write letters? Remember those old ancient days? We were used to, you know, I loved, Brother Brown, I loved to write letters because it was so romantic. You know, you take a letter, a letterhead, nice letterhead, okay, you take it, then you write best writing. Now, we don't know how to write anymore. I mean, it's like terrible. It's like uh, Egyptian writings. You know. <laughs> but I used to love it because you, you write a letter and, ex- and it's expressive. You put your, all your stuff in. Then, what, you remember what you used to do? You take a little cologne, good cologne. No dollar store cologne. Good cologne. No dollar store. That's for the roaches and mice and they kill. They'll kill a horse, this thing. Man, I know. I went to Bible school. girl wants to go out with me. What's wrong with me? You stink, brother. That's what it is. I remember spraying some nice cologne and then fold a bit. That never lick, never lick the envelope. It'll cut your tongue. Never do that. And you put it, and then you send it. What I used to do is make her fall in love with me. I flirted with her. And after a while, she will pay attention to you. And you may get a call. Might be her dad. But you'll get you'll get a call. I got a call. Was her dad? 
sir. I said, brother, brother Philkins, I'm a really good guy. I got reference. I got Lucky Luciana. I got the goddess family. And uh, <laughs> she knew I was from Italy. Italy that's my view. Where's this guy? What does he want? Anyway, and so now that's the way God did with us. He flirted with us, and he gave us a lot of stuff, toys. Made us business prosper. Things went well, and we thought it was us. No, he was flirting. He was buying you stuff when you didn't deserve it. It was not your birthday, and it was not Christmas. But he gave it, bless you. And then it, it makes you aware, my God, I'm so blessed. And a little by little, you fall in love with him for what he does for you. Then there comes a time that God takes the flowers away from you and he takes the, 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 the wedding rings away from you and he repossesses your car and he, and he forecloses your house because now he wants to know, do you love me for what I gave you or you love me for who I am? Right now, some of you are going through this very test. Can you handle me? Can you love me when you've got nothing left? Can you love me when your boss said you're fired? Can you love me when they came and said we're going to foreclose your house? Can you still trust me when they took the car away from Can you still trust me when your husband left you? Can you still trust me when your kids went nuts on you? Can you still trust me? I got, stand with me. Stand with me. I've got to send you home. I've got to send you home. I, I'm not tired. I could be here another hour. But let me just finish this. I'm going to ruin this sermon for the sake of time. But the Bible says she endured quite a, an enormous amount of pressure. Remember, Joseph didn't like her after that. I mean, he had, and he still doubted after the angel talked to her because that's the way men's are. Men's are men. They are hard convinced. You know, I mean, I, don't, I understand that. I mean, I will feel the same. My wife, to be, has got... And Bailey, and she's telling me about the spiritual stuff. Spiritual, I want to know his name. I'm going to shoot him right now. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to, you know. Anyway, that's another sermon for another day. And she's going through afflictions and torment. I mean, all kinds of trouble. And, uh, and, and, and the angel's telling her, your favor, your favor. And she's got this bell. She's pregnant. She's praying. She's full with expectation. Oh, I wish I had that. Full with expectation. That's what a church must be. You always have to stay pregnant. I like pregnant people. Because that means they're in love. That means relationships are good. You know what I mean. Because barren churches are dangerous. Because women are wired to have babies. And when you can have babies, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but they'll, they'll, they'll hurt you. I like, like this church is pregnant. This church is pregnant with expectation for the brothers. You're pregnant with expectation. It's pregnant. It's, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Mm, glory to God. And she and she she's pregnant now with with this baby. But but man, you know when when you when you get the promise, you get the problems. <laughs> and that's what she was getting. So now if you think you're having problems as a church, welcome. Because, because there is a promise. You're going up. You're pregnant with something that is going to be delivered. That is going to change your life and the life around you. And anytime you have a promise, you rest assured you have a process and the problem. And the problems will come with the promise. And you cannot escape that. But I tell you how you surmount the problems. is by getting a taste of the promise. Watch this. I've got to really hurt. 
when Joshua came back from Canaan, what did he do? What did he bring back? You know, that's what I call, that's my calling. The law, the law of exposure. Because if you give people a little taste of what it's going to be like once we get there, they'll fight every demon and everything. That's why I thank God for Brother Brown who's got a vision. He's giving you a taste how it's going to be like when you get there. Now, if you can get a little taste of the fruit, you say, oh, I know the giants are bad. I know they're bad, but I'm, I'm, I'm armed and dangerous. I'm ready to take over. You've got to get a taste. That's why you can never have a dead servant. You always have to have a church. That doesn't mean you have to shout and run the aisles all the time, but you've got to have a move of God. Move of God. Oh, get a taste how it's going to be like out there. And you will never miss a service again. Oh, I've got to hurt. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. I'm no long winded. I'm usually no long winded. I've been believing this life for a long time. I'm no long winded. But here's the truth. Here comes Mary who says, I, I'm pregnant, all troubles, all t- problems, and, and everything. And, and, uh, and uh, can you give me something more like, I don't want anybody to cry tonight, but and she travels 70 miles up north. Hey, 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 I can't do it like the black folks do it, but I try. I want to be born in Louisiana. There's a there's a black man trapped in me. He's got a little Italian accent, but it's okay. I feel it. I feel it. Do you feel it in the house? Wait a minute. 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 Here it is. Look. Here it is. She is putting up with all this man. I mean, a husband who doesn't believe her. And mom and daddy who had, I don't know about you. And she's got this belly. She said, no, it wasn't me. It was God. God has done something for me. And on and on and on. And she travels 70 miles north. Gets to Bethlehem. And has this baby. Finally. Finally. Now think about this. No Motel 6, no nothing. I mean, she's got nothing. But she held on to the baby when everybody else told her, give up, give in, throw the towel, and we're fighting for this. And we're fighting your friends and be discredited. Just give it up, give it up, give it up. And she said, no, let me hold on to my promise. Don't let me start. Don't get me started. You see, you are a target of the devil, not because of who you are, but because of what you're carrying. The devil doesn't hate you. He hates what you got. He doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want you to be peace. He doesn't want you to be blessed. That's why... That's why Herod, he didn't say, hey, find me Joseph and find me Mary so we can kill them. He always said, like Pharaoh did, because spirits never die, where's the baby? Because the power was not in the, in the parents, the power was in the baby. Uh, but I got good news for you. 
I know you've been going through sometimes. I know you've been dealing with issues that you didn't expect. Just because you had a dream, just because you had a promise, just because you made up your mind, you're going to live for God. All things are going on and going the wrong way. And you feel pregnant. You feel expecting like something good is about to happen. And you're on the verge. You say, man, I don't know. I don't know if I should keep coming to this church. You know, man, this is, this is a little fanatical for me. I don't know. You know, I don't know if I want to make, if I want to make God my friend and all the word my enemies. I'm not sure yet. But I'm here to, I've come to speak a word to some of you. Hold on to the baby. Because remember, whoever gets the son gets everything. Here it is, 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 here it is. Here it is. Somebody's knocking at the door. The baby's born. They got nothing. They got their own mule. They are tired. They're weary. They're lonely. But three millionaires show up and they said, Watch what they said. Where is the baby? Because we got myrrh, we got incense, we got spice, we got gold, and we came for the baby. What I'm saying is this in 21st century terminology. They rode on a mule all the way to Bethlehem. But on the way back home, they were driving a Cadillac, driving around the neighborhood that did not like them. The people that they gossiped about. About They went to the place where everybody, oh, I don't know about you, and said, do you remember me? Do you remember me when you thought I was going to get nothing? Do you remember me when you talked bad about me? Do you remember me when you thought I was crazy to go to church? But watch what the Lord has done. Because I held on to the baby. Because this is the bottom line. If you get Jesus, you get everything. If you take Jesus, you take everything. If you hold on to him, God will add on to you. Every dream that you have dreamed about, every prayer you have been praying about. I don't know who I've come to talk to this tonight, but I've come to talk to somebody who said, I'm about to give up. I was about to give in. I was about to turn away from God. But now that I heard the word of the Lord, I'd rather have Jesus. You can have the world, but give me Jesus. You can have the pleasures. But give me Jesus. You can have the fame. But give me Jesus. You can have the money. But give me Jesus. You can have the career. But give me Jesus. Is anybody in this house that feels just like I feel? You can have the whole world. But give me Jesus. You can have everything. But give me Jesus. Is anybody in this house who's going to raise your hands? And say, I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather have the Holy Ghost. I'd rather. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Mary said, How? Everybody say, How? What did the angels say? No. The Holy Spirit. Mary said, How? And the angel said, The Holy Ghost. She said, how? And he said, the Holy Ghost. This is what he was saying. 
I'll save you a counseling session. I'll save you a teaching lecture. All you got to do, baby, to understand all of this, there's some Holy Ghost on you. Let the Holy Ghost overwhelm you. Let the Holy Ghost come upon me. And everything is going to be all right. I tell, oh, oh, here it is. I tell you what you need. You don't need a new husband. Some of you wish. You don't need a new church. You don't need a new pastor. You don't need a psychologist. You don't need a psychiatrist. You don't need a doctor. I tell you what you need. You need a little old-fashioned Holy Ghost on you. You need some Holy Ghost outpouring on you. You need a little anointing to come upon you. That's what you need. You need a little Holy Ghost to come upon you. That's your answer right there. Come on, put your hands together and open up your mouth and begin to praise the Lord. I'm telling you, I've come to speak to somebody. The Holy Ghost is in this house. The Holy Ghost is in this house. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Woo! Come on, let the devil hear your voice. Let the devil hear the noise of your worship. Let the devil hear the noise of your praise. Let him know I'm not dead. I'm not dead. I'm not dead. Don't mess with me. Come on, get happy in the Holy Ghost. Come on, get some joy in the Holy Ghost. That's it, brother. Don't let him run by himself. Don't let him run by himself. Go run with him. Let's get your victory, brother. Get your victory. 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 The evil one. Whoever gets the sun.
that I do for God, you taught me. Because you see, I tell what I got my passion from. I got it from going after drugs when I couldn't get any. So I told the devil everything that you try to use to kill me. Now I use to be blessed. Some of you need to get out of your chairs and let the devil know I'm not dead yet. Watch me. You can't have me yet. Watch me. Everything that I have become is because of Jesus. I don't have condemnation. Jesus didn't come to condemn me. He came to deliver me. Hey, hey, hey.